and it's the word of the Lord. So praise God, it's his word and not all my words. But the kingdom of God is decisive. The kingdom of God is decisive. Now, this is my late baby brother, Lyndon, who has passed away. And you can see Lyndon loved to fish. And he was quite a fisherman. And he got into smoking. And not that kind of smoking. smoking he would smoke fish. He had a big smoker. And he became quite a, before he passed, he was quite a chef. And he loved fish. And my mom loved fish, so it was wonderful. He would come home with all this fish, and then he would have to put it away and freeze it, and they would pull it out. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not much of a fisherman, or fisher, I should say. Not much of a fisher. Um, my experience of fishing wasn't very much. As a child, I remember being taken out on a dory and doing some cod jigging and catching a cod. Um, but one of my earliest memories of fishing was my grandmother, this was now my father's mother, who I would see occasionally, a uh, very close relationship with her, didn't live with her, she was the fun grandmother, remember those, the fun grandmother? And uh, she, she had a beautiful cottage, and up behind her cottage, I loved being at my grandmother's cottage outside of Cornerbrook. And I loved being there, and uh, one day my grandmother says, well, we're going to go fishing today. And so she took me, and there was, out the back, there was water right behind my grandmother's cottage. And then there down the ways to the, to the left was a wharf, old-time kind of wharf, and it went out into the water a bit deeper. And my grandmother gave me a fishing rod, and she baited it, thank goodness, because I'm not very good at that. And we sat there, and I thought, this is it? This is fishing, and uh, guess what I got? This is my first fish I ever caught, probably the last, too. Good old scuffling. Useless. Ugly as can be, and dangerous, apparently. My grandmother put the fear of God in me at that point and said, you be careful when you're out walking in the water and you get out deep because you step on one of those babies, you're in a lot of pain for a long time. Now, I don't know any of our fishermen here. Do you guys even use them for bait? You catch any of them? You do. What do you do with them? Throw them back in. Toss them, right? Yeah, toss them because they're what? Useless. Useless. Absolutely useless. And so that was my first and probably last experience. I remember one time taking our boys fishing and we caught a few trout. But other than that, now you know why I don't go fishing. I had a mental, <laughs> a mental break because my first fish was a scuffling. Anyway, we're recapping. You'll understand what this is about in a moment. We're recapping about what we've been doing together because I believe we've been building. God's been building and teaching us. And so the first week we talked about, I felt after that time of prayer, the Lord was saying that we are in the midst of anxiety and all that's going on in our world, that we're to seek God's kingdom first, not second, not at some point, first, and his righteousness and all other things will be what? Added on to us. And that was what I felt the Lord was saying to us. And as, as I looked at that, and I thought, well, Lord, what do you mean by your kingdom? Kingdom is a word that's used so flippantly today. And so we decided that we asked that question, what is the kingdom of God like? And we said, well, the best place to go to look at what the kingdom of God is like is to Jesus himself 
in chapter 13 of Matthew, he shared several parables, and he said, well, let me show you what the kingdom of God is like. And the first one he told us was that very, very popular parable that has spoken quite a bit about the four, really the four soils. It's not so much about the sower as it is about the four soils. And we know that that's the secret mysteries of the kingdom. It's mysterious because not everyone will get it. And most likely it will be one in four who will get that. Then we looked at the truth that the kingdom of God will be challenged. It will be contested. It's not going to be easy. And so we looked at the reality of the parable of the weeds and the wheat. You know, the harvest will come. But where's not our job to be pulling up weeds, right? We are to bloom where we've been planted. Then we looked at the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven, or the yeast, and we looked at that leaven was really like sourdough starter, right, that just takes over. And we realized that the kingdom of God doesn't grow with a big bang. It's very gradual. But we remembered that little is much. Oh, you're really on the ball today. Little is much when God is in it. Amen. And then last week, we looked at the fact that the kingdom of God is priceless. The kingdom of God is valuable. And we looked at that uh, the parables of the treasure that was hidden and that pearl of great price. And that we looked at last week that it is so valuable that you must be willing to count the cost if you're going to follow Christ. So that's a recap. And today... We're looking at the reality that the kingdom of God is decisive. In this kingdom of God, we see that a decision, where it is a, decisions need to be made. It's just the reality of what this kingdom is like. And so when we think about fishing, we see in verse 47, as Pastor Mike read, Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of of fish. The truth of it is, this net that Jesus is talking about in this parable is a drag net, and uh, um, and so that was used, that was dragged behind the boat. So uh, floaters, I realized my dad gave me a floater, and I had it for years, but that's what it would have been. It would have been a floater off a net, and so the floaters are put on the top, weights are put on the bottom, four corners have strings, and now they begin to pull this behind the fishing boat, and that fishing boat would, I mean, that net would make a, a cone. And as the fishing boat goes, it begins to drag into that net all kinds of fish. And we see this in the verse, right? Jesus says in 47, and they caught all kinds of fish. Now, the truth of it is this drag net is the gospel, right? You think about it. This drag net is being brought through the world, and it's like the gospel being dragged through. And, and the truth of it is, you know, somebody said that back in, in, in Scripture and in Jesus' day and even in the Old Testament, especially back to creation, the sea was seen as something very dark, very evil, very unknown, uncontrollable. And so we see that this net, which is the gospel, gets humanity, right, in this dark, evil world. This net comes through and it catches people, uh, all kinds of people in this net. And so we're told that there's all kinds of fish. And this trawl through the lake, they use the word sea, or really it was a lake, will catch indiscriminately all kinds of fish. 
And Jesus says that's what the kingdom is like. The kingdom indiscriminately catches all kinds of people. I like that. I like the fact today that there's all kinds of people. I like the fact today that there's a place for me and there's a place for you. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, there's a place for all of us in God's kingdom. That gives me hope today. That helps me to realize no matter what walks of life, no matter where people are at today or the group of people that I'm praying for, my family, there is a place for them in God's church, in God's kingdom. All. And so today we realize that the kingdom of God is inclusive. This is missions. This is what missions is all about. The kingdom of God is inclusive. This is a key. That God is loving the fact that we're all different. That there's diversity in his church. That even today, as I always get that picture, as the sun rises around the globe, and you begin to hear all the different voices and languages and people giving praise to God and worshiping in all different kinds of matters, how beautiful that is to God. And so that's really what the kingdom of God is like. It's diverse. Now, hear me. You know, we often like the church or, or people that look like us, act like us, smell like us. We, we like people. We like conformity. We like to conform people. And if they don't conform, we start to put pressure on them because they need to conform. Because that makes us feel more comfortable. <laughs> and yet God says his church is diverse. It is beautiful. And it's in, see, see, there's unity. It's not uniformity. I've talked this many times. It's not uniformity. It's unity in the midst of diversity. That's why nobody in the church has to necessarily act like each other or look like each other or think like each other. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. That we can come around his truth, right? We, we come around his truth. We all come under it. Because this is the ultimate, right? And him, as the Logos, the true Logos, speaking through this to us, and we come under it, but it doesn't mean that we all have to look alike, think alike, act alike. The beauty in the church of Jesus Christ is that wonderful diversity. And so it's easy for us if we're not careful, because Jesus wanted all walks of life to follow him. Just look at his 12 misfits that he called. <laughs> They were all different. They had to have unity despite, you know, you had, you heard this this morning, despite you had Matthew, the tax collector, the half-breed, the traitor, with the zealots <laughs> who were trying to clean up, right? The Israelites and people like Matthew and the two of them now are sitting together called by Jesus. You want to talk about diversity. You just look at the 12 disciples, how diverse they were. So as this comes in and it begins to catch people, it catches bad fish too. Did you get that? As, as this net, the gospel goes out, as this kingdom of God is indiscriminate, it begins to draw people into the kingdom. But the truth of it is it will also draw in the good, but it will also draw in the bad. And I love this statement, which we'll be looking at throughout this morning's message. But that's not yours to worry about. Because God takes care of the bad fish. That's why we're saying it's decisive. There will come a day. Never mind the bad fish. What's our role in this story, in this parable? You keep fishing. That's your role today. 
as the church and members of his kingdom, we need to be gathering all people. We are not to be discriminative. We are not to look for just particular people that we feel are worthy to have here the gospel or people who we would like to sit in our church. And I'll tell you something very clearly that you've never seen Pastor Mike and I do is go around to other churches and say, oh, you need to come to this church. Because that's not my role. My role is to keep fishing. Our role is to continue to look for people, not people who are already saved and love the Lord and are serving in another church. Our role is to keep fishing, but to do it indiscriminately and let God deal with people. As someone said, and Pastor Mike has used before, let God be as genuine with them as he has been with you. It's not our, our place to put people in boxes. Before they even come to know Christ, we decide who's worthy and who isn't worthy of the gospel. And so then we see the catch. And we're told in verse 48, when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore and they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but they threw the bad ones away. And you see, there had to be sorting. They would bring it up on the shore and it catches all kinds of fish. And so now they have to sit and sort it, especially because they were Jews. Because there's a lot of fish they're not going to eat. And so they would see that they're going to throw the bad fish away and they're going to collect the good fish. And so this sorting happened. And remember I told you about the scuffling, about useless and useful? And this is what they're doing. What's the useful fish and what's the useless fish? And that's what they're going through. Do you know what the bad word that's used here for bad fish, I mean the word bad here, is actually putrid. Putrid. Now, I know there's not been too many times I've heard that word said, but I know it has a stench. And as soon as I said the word, there's a stench to putrid, right? Putrid means it's already dead. Another good word for putrid is what? Rotting. Anyone been around rotting fish? There's not a whole lot you can do with this. You shouldn't touch it. You definitely shouldn't eat it. It is useless. And so the key is you need to get rid of that decaying, dead fish. And that is the idea of what they are saying here. And now we can say, oh God, oh God, there's so many bad fish. But God says, don't you worry about the bad fish. Your job is to what? Keep on fishing. That's what your role is to do, to keep on fishing. Here's a hard question. Are you a good fish or a bad fish? See, someone says, bad or good, in this parable, refers to how we respond to the truth when the gospel comes to us, to what happens when we come in contact with that reality of the truth. That is the whole issue here in this parable. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the basic truth, the ultimate reality, the fundamental secrets of life, the way things really are. And those who are good fish are those who deal honestly with this reality, this truth, when Jesus comes. And they learn when something is real and genuine to respond to it, to act upon it, to do something about it. Unlike the bad who are those at best turn their backs to the truth and say, no, I don't like that and I don't want to believe that, therefore I reject it. Or what else at worst, play the hypocrite and say, yes, I'll accept that, but make no changes in their lives. Remain 
essentially evil because they've not allowed the gospel to change and transform them. Oh, they might have put on the outward facade, but inside nothing's been changed or transformed. I like what they said. They put on a pious garb of sanctimonious self-righteousness. That is what this parable is talking about. That is what this parable is saying the kingdom of God is like. There are those who are good fish who have allowed Christ to come in and change and transform their lives. Oh, they're not perfect. they got things they still need to work through. But there is that ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. And they are alive and well. And they know who their Savior is. And they allow the truth to shine on their hearts and lives. And they allow it to change and transform them. But there are those, unfortunately, that are also caught in the net. That have no plans of change. And no openness to the Holy Spirit in the Holy Spirit's direction. And they are fine, thank you. I'll just stay the way that I am. There are those sitting in the church today, and I'm saying church generally, that are living in evil, that are doing secret sins, that are doing all kinds of things in the name of Jesus. We see it all over TV evangelists and programs, and we're shocked when we see another one doing something that was hidden, and we thought, how did that ever happen? I was interesting this week, I was sharing with somebody one of the Spanish pastors had put up about the role of a pastor, and one of our friends we went to Bible school with, she put, uh, down in the States, she put a comment up, and we talked about the PKs. You know what a PK is? Pastor's kid. Well, guess what an MK is? Missionary kids. And so we had this little dialogue between the PKs and the MKs, and we had a little conversation where we said, that a lot of PKs and MKs are not following the Lord today because of bad fish, my friends. They're broken. They've been hurt. All in the name of Jesus in the church. I could tell you stories today, but I won't tell you those. I won't waste my time or my energy on that. That there are stories, and some of us have been shocked when we've seen things in and around the church over, if you lived any length of time, if you've been to different churches, that you begin to realize and say, how is that even possible? We talk about so many people will say to you, and I know they use it as an excuse, hear me right. Where they'll say, well, I wouldn't go there because they're a bunch of hypocrites. And we know today we are saved by God's grace. It's by his grace. The truth of it is we were all bad fish. <laughs> and it's only because of God's saving grace that we can even be or considered a good fish. But there are those that would go around today and, and are turned off by the gospel and turned off from the church because of people masquerading around as light. And yet, within, their spirit is rotting, is dead. They live for themselves. While some scholars read this parable as describing general diversity, many, many read it. I've been reading this week and looking because I know that Jesus shared the parable about the wheat and the tares. And so why did he share it now in this one and end the parables with this one? Many believe it's the diversity within the kingdom that Jesus is relying here. It's similar to the wheat and tares because it's warning people decisively there is coming a day. When the harvest, remember we talked about that, the harvest would come. 
But it's different here because now it's addressing the character of the kingdom, those in the kingdom, the, those in the church. It's focused on those who have heard the gospel, right? The net. They have received or say they have received the gospel. And so these bad fish that we're talking about here are false believers. They can be likened, if you go back in this chapter, to the bad soils in the first verses of 5 and 7, or to the tares in verse 40 of this chapter that we've been looking at. These are all the people in the parable of the sowers who did not receive the word of God. They were good soil. They were the wayside, the stony places, the among the thorns. They claimed to have a relationship with Jesus and said to him, Lord, Lord, as Jesus brought up in Matthew 7, 22. But Jesus will reply to them, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. That's biblical. That's words God has for us. So, in the midst of realizing that just because we are in the church together, or just because we're around other people who say they are a believer in Jesus Christ, it does not mean that everyone is necessarily a good fish. Well, what are we supposed to do? Keep fishing. Keep fishing. Never mind the bad fish. <laughs> That's God's responsibility. You're to keep on fishing. See, in the New Testament, there's several examples of this reality, and I think sometimes we need to get our minds around this. Look at the church in Corinth. Look what they were dealing with, the immorality and the carnal divisiveness. Think about the church in Galatia with all these Judaizers that were going around. Think about the church whom John wrote about in the epistles with the Gnostic gospel. And think about the five of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. In Asia. Plagued with idolatry, immorality, false teaching, lovelessness, and complacency. What did Jesus say to those churches? Repent, or I will remove your lampstand. See, bad fish, the Geneva Study Bible says there are many in the church who nevertheless are not of the church. Did you hear that? That's when we went back a few weeks back and I talked about the universal church of Jesus Christ, the church that Jesus sees, the ones who have been born by the blood of the Lamb, the ones his bride that he's returning for. And then there is the actual church, those who go around saying that they've had an experience with Jesus, but they haven't, or there is no fruit, or they lost it. But yet they put on the mask to pretend, or they tell people lies, or they're doing things hidden and secretly that nobody knows but God knows. And we see it. So God's kingdom is so decisive. Look at verses 49 and 50. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so the angels have that role to come at that time and separate the good fish from the bad fish, the righteous from the wicked. And let me hear and say it right. Righteous is because Christ has made me right. There's no righteousness of my own. It is only because Christ has made me right that I could stand and count, count it as a good fish in that day. 
But that righteousness is also dependent upon my willingness to live in righteousness with God every day of my life. Listen to this story. On the morning of the Normandy invasion, many years ago, a bunch of GIs were gathered around a military chaplain, and many of them realized they might not survive the day, and one of the GIs asked the chaplain if he believed in hell. The chaplain said, no, I don't believe in hell, and the GI said, then you should resign as a chaplain. <laughs> because if there is no hell, we don't need you. You've heard this, some of you. If there is no hell, we don't need you. And if there is a hell, we don't want you want to be led astray. They didn't want him to be their chaplain. See, we have a lot of ways of separating people. Oh, here on the island, people tend to separate the liberals and the conservatives. Found that out real quick. <laughs> At the bakery, we were separating from the Leafs and the Chicago Blackhawks there yesterday. We separate people from where they grew up. We, we separate male and female. We, we separate a color of skin. We separate those who are islanders and those who are from away. We separate the rich and the poor. We separate people in all kinds of ways. I say all that to say there's coming a day when there will be one separation that will matter. God is going to separate the wicked from the righteous. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That should make us as a church weep today. As we think about all those who will be lost. And the saddest part is this parable says that some can be lost in the church. And so the day is coming, my friends, and it will be too late on that day. There's some teaching differently, but I don't believe that. It'll be too late in that day, and there won't be any plan B, and there won't be any third option. It will be decisive in that moment, much like we've seen with the tares and the wheat. A day of reckoning will come in which God will separate true believers from the pretenders, those to be found false, the hypocrites, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But here's the key again, like we saw before. We don't get to do the sorting. Because you know what? Within a moment, a person can change until the Lord tarries. So we don't get to go around sorting the church and, well, we're the righteous ones in there. Did you see what they did? Did you see what they said? Oh! Not our role as the church, to go around sorting fish. <laughs> Our role is to allow God to do that. That's his job. He'll send his angels on that day. But our role to do is we're to keep on fishing. As I bring this to a close today, the parable of the sower is the first parable in the series about the kingdom of heaven. We're going to speak the next couple weeks still about the kingdom. But in this parable, the parables that have been shared, the sower was the first, and its interpretation focuses on the blessings of the righteous, those who fall on good soil and produce a harvest. Now as we come to the end, the parable of the dragnet, this last parable in the series, is an interpretation that emphasizes the consequences of the wicked, those other three soils that didn't accept the word of God. Just as this net was cast into the sea, 
And drawing many fish, the gospel message is spread into the whole world, drawing people today, all kinds of people, regardless of their values. So the gospel attracts many people who will neither truly repent nor desire to really follow Christ. Just as the fish could not be sorted out of that net until that sorting day at the end on the shore, false believers going around masquerading as true believers we, it's not our role to sort them out. God, on that day, will sort out his church, his bride. And we are to leave that with him. But, we're to keep fishing. Jesus had said to his disciples, you know the passage in, earlier in Matthew 4, verses 18 to 19, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen, and he said what? Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men, fishers of all people. That's our role as the church. Not to go around sorting people. Our role is to keep on fishing. We have a mission, church. We have a mission today like they had back in that day. And it is as great of a mission today as we've ever seen. That it is our role to keep on fishing. We heard people last night listen to their testimonies of what happened back in the 70s when the Jesus movement happened. And a man stood there and said at one point he was baptizing 55 people. He wasn't even the pastor of the church. There were so many people coming into the gospel that day that he took out into the water while they were baptizing people. He himself remembers the day that he baptized 55 people. That's how God began to move back in the 70s. People from all kinds of vile backgrounds changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, they would change and transform on that shore in California. And you know, he said something which was comical. He said, I started to get really tired, but he said, I found out I could time it, that if I put them down when the wave was coming in, the wave would pull them up. <laughs> oh, I long for those days. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something to have a Sunday service and 55 go in the baptismal tank and you had to stay and forget your lunch for a day? See, that's our role. Our role is to keep fishing. Our role is not to try to sort people out. You know, summoning a statement we heard this morning was, what will people say about people when they're genuinely good fish? Those people have been with Jesus. I thought, what a statement. That stayed with me this morning as Pastor Mike was listening to that, getting ready. That it won't be about, like they said, that that person watches Fox News. <laughs> that person's been with Jesus. That's that genuine move of God in our lives begins to flow over in the lives of others. As we watched this testimonies last night from many years ago, these men were now getting much older, but they were weeping about how God moved in 1970. It was still as real in their lives as it was the first day. And the one man said, and we've said it here, I don't care how you started, I just care how you finish. See, we have a choice today, be good fish or bad fish. And bad fish are putrid fish that are dying. Spiritually. And so it's important for us to realize that we don't sort the fish, God does. 
And we're to keep on fishing, but we're also to look at our hearts and say that we started the service, Lord, created me a clean heart. Search me, O oh God, and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Anything that would prevent others from wanting to come and be part of your kingdom. Anything that would prevent me from missing out on that great day. A true story that happened to a professional singer named Ruthanna. She had been invited to sing at the wedding of a very wealthy man. The reception was to be held at the very exclusive restaurant on the top floor of Seattle's tallest skyscraper. And after the wedding, she arrived at the reception with her husband, and they were excited as they arrived because they could see the fabulous decorations in there and the tables loaded with delicious food and beautiful and famous people were there laughing and talking. And so as they approached the entrance, the major D said, uh, may I have your names, please? And so she told him her name and her husband's name, and the major D looked at her and said, I'm sorry, but your name isn't here. She said, please check again. There must be some mistake. I sang at the wedding. And then he, she spelled out her name for him. The major D looked again and said, it doesn't matter who you say you are and what you say you have done. Your name is not on the list. Without your name in my book, you can't come to the reception. Then he called the waiter over and said, show these people down the service elevator. And she and her husband were escorted to the dirty service elevator. And the waiter pushed G for garage, and they arrived at the parking garage next to the garbage bin. And after walking in silence towards their car, her husband was kind of surprised, and he said, Ruthanna, what happened? We were at the door of the party, and we ended up at the garbage bin in the garage. And she said, I remember getting the invitation. But I was too busy to RSVP. I just assumed, because I was a singer and participated, that I'd get in. You get the story. And ask the worship team to come. Many of us have been raised around the church and in around church things all our lives. Some of us would say, Pastor, I've, I've had some experience with some bad fish. I've been hurt and broken, but I had to learn to forgive and not allow those things to keep me away from God and His kingdom. But some of us, there's a move, and it's been around for years, and it seems to be there, and it's still, if we're not careful, that we somehow seem to think that it's all about a decision we made 40 years ago, but not of an up-to-date relationship with Jesus today. That is a lie of the enemy. And then the other mistake that often happens is in the church, there are those that think that somehow because I've sung on the platform or I've taught Sunday school or I sit in a pew or I give a tithe, that that means I'm good fish. <laughs> Just like that young girl and her husband were sent away, she participated in the wedding, but she forgot to do what was necessary to be entering into the wedding feast. It's gotten awful quiet here. 
And uh, I, I know today that God is wanting to bring a renewal and awakening first and foremost in his church. And I believe that's what this parable is about. I believe that God wants to do a new and fresh work in us and the Holy Spirit will show us if there's anything in our lives that is beginning to make us have a stench in the nostrils of others. I know in my own family, and I've seen it in years past, where people loved the Lord and they became a stench to the rest of their family. They would cringe when they would see them come. There are others today that aren't even in this church who would come back to this church or any church. I'm not just talking, I'm not, when I say church, I'm talking about church, not church. Because they, have, they just don't want anything to do with it. It's time for us to do what God needs to do in us, that we become the aroma of Christ in the dark and lost and fallen world. It's time for us to be the light. It's time for us to be the salt in a tasteless world. It's time for us, as good fish, to continue what God has called us to do and to become those fishers of men, to not go around wasting our time about all the things that are going on that shouldn't be going on, or this one shouldn't be doing this, and that one shouldn't be doing this. Well, I got enough to keep my life in the right way before the Lord. And I got enough to do to keep fishing. Because if not, all of that would get me distracted. And so, Lord, we come to you today now, searcher of all hearts. Yes, you know everything. This was a tough word today, Lord. It was easy to talk about the wheat and the tares, because we saw ourselves as the wheat and the world as the tares, and the harvest is coming, hallelujah, and they're going to be all burned. <laughs> this is a lot harder, Lord. But I pray you would do a renewal in our hearts and lives today. Maybe it was yesterday that we sensed the move of God. Well, we need you today, Lord. Yes, Maybe it's been a week, a month, a year. Maybe we've been so hurt by the church that our sensitivity has been deadened. Maybe the pandemic has just made us numb. God, I pray that you would do a new and fresh thing in your church. The kingdom would come. Your will would be done right here today. And those listening online, I believe a lot of this message today is for those that are listening online. And they need to hear it too. And so God, would you come and move in this service now and do your purposes for your purposes and for your kingdom's sake, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet with us. Amen.